Have you ever dreamt of selling your business to a multinational corporation? If yes, you're definitely in the right place. Welcome to Rising High with Ananya Dugar. Today we will be speaking with David Seoman, the founder of Sajon, a fashion accessories company sold to Steve Madden. Sajon today is the official licensed accessory house for Steve Madden, Betsy Johnson, and Big Buddha, to name a few. Hello, David. Thank you for joining us today. Hi, thank you for having me. Just to get right to it, what piqued your interest in the fashion industry having no background in that space? Um, actually, growing up, my father was in retail. So I would uh, go to the stores with him. Uh, you know, he was worked very hard and would be in the stores on Saturdays over Thanksgiving vacation. So I would always go with him to the stores, walk the stores. Um, you know, he would be looking at what was selling, what wasn't selling. Um, so I, I had uh an interest in it through through him um but because that's what i grew up with i really did not see myself going into the business since that was part of our everyday life and i wanted to try something new so that's why i actually didn't study that in school and went into a different area of communications and public relations but then when i finished college i decided um you know there was an opportunity for me to get a job in washington at, a, at an executive training program for the store called hex and because I had been around it my whole life, I had an interest of seeing if I would like that for a career. So I learned an awful lot of what was going, you know, what that business was about growing up. And I just wanted to see if it would be interest me as a career. Having exposure to the industry early on gave you the opportunity to develop a keen eye in the fashion industry. As someone who spent their early years working a corporate job, do you regret not starting Sejan sooner? I think it's a, I think it was fantastic to start working for somebody uh, before I went into business. Um, I think, uh, you know, I, I always wanted to start my own business and I had some ideas, but I really didn't understand what to do or how to do it. So I think, um, you know, having worked for a couple of different companies, um, both in retail and then switching to wholesale, uh, I got experience on what you need to do to run a business, um, how to build relationships, both with uh, your customers and your suppliers, um, how to set up um, systems and operations that were necessary in order to conduct business. And I don't think I would have had any of those skills um, if I hadn't gone to work for somebody else first and been able to see that. Doesn't mean you can't succeed without it, but I think it just gave me an advantage that when I started my business, I had a framework of what I wanted to do. Um, and how I thought it would play out when I started my business. While developing vital skills on the job is surely a plus, I'm intrigued as to how you leverage your relationships with customers and suppliers when you started Sajon. Well, when you're conducting business, you have to deal with people on a day-to-day -day basis. So, um, you know, we were wholesaling, you know, the last company I worked for before I started my own business, we wholesaled to, to all different types of stores. So. I was in meetings with buyers and divisionals and vice president and presidents of company. So you have to build a rapport with them so you could really, um, you know, understand what they wanted and service them. And it was important for you to be able to uh, interact and, um, you know, really understand what they needed um, in order to, to service them in a proper way. So. Because of that, I actually built some very strong relationships with people in both on 
a customer side and a, on a production side um, that benefited me because then when I started my own business, I wasn't just cold calling people, people knew who I was. Um, so when the phone call was made, it didn't necessarily guarantee me getting an order or anything like that. But, and I did have to do a lot of cold calling, but there were a certain amount of people who knew who I was and therefore took my call quick, more quickly than all the people I had a cold call. You kind of surround your business or your motto was what's next and what does that mean to you? And, and where does that stand today? Um, to me, what's next always meant I started my business basically with a hair accessory. Um, it's thing called the Megabo. And it was doing very well. And I became, I grew my business just really on that, that on hair accessory items to start. But you're never sure what's going to happen in, in fashion or in any business. So my motto was, okay, the hair accessory is doing really well. What do I see next that's an opportunity to expand my business? So all of a sudden I was using all these great fabrics and their scarf business was really non-existent at the point. It was in a downtrend and I was talking to one of my buyers and I had these great prints. Wow, it would make a beautiful scarf. So I started making scarves because that what I thought was an opportunity. The industry wasn't strong in that area. Um, it was a different type of, it was a, a oblong versus a square. So, and the prints were really uh, good looking. So I started making scars and it started to work. And then from there, then what's next was, okay, what's an opportunity? You know, I was in these stores and in the fashion accessory area, all the warm stuff that you use called cold weather wear, which keeps you warm in the winter, everything was made of wools and was scratchy and itchy. And I thought, wow, wouldn't it be great to have something soft and cozy against you when you were trying to stay warm? So I came up with this poodle chenille, which was a very soft chenille that against your skin felt great and kept you warm. So it was always kind of seeing what was the next opportunity. Then pashmina became a very trendy item in very, very expensive stores. And I saw that women loved it. So I was like, wow, that would be a great opportunity. Is there a way to take this to a low, uh, uh, you know, a more in-between price point that more people can afford and give somebody that? So it was always just trying to see what was happening in the fashion world in the next phase. And a perfect example of that today is creating fashion masks for people because that's the what's next today because people have to wear masks when they're going out and a lot of people would rather not just wear a bandana or a hospital mask. So making, you know, nice looking masks and getting them out there, but you have to be quick, quick on it. You can't, you want to be what I call a fast second, meaning you don't necessarily always have to be the first one on the block with it, but you need to be out with your customer base quickly and before it becomes mass out to everybody and you're just one of many doing it. So my what's next was always I wanted to be ahead of my competition with what was happening and seeing, you know, what the consumer was looking for next. Was your store first online or was it a physical store that you started in? No, I actually started as a wholesaler. So I sold to physical stores who were retailers. So I would sell to a Macy's or a, um, uh, you know, Lord and Taylor, um, Bloomingdale's. So I actually sold, you know, I started my business in 1992. So there was not a lot of really any online business back then. So pretty much my initial phase was pretty much all to um, brick and mortar retail 
establishments um, when I started. And it was only later on as, as technology changed that, you know, the online business grew. But that's always, again, what's next. That's we're going from, uh, you know, hard retail stores to online. That was a what's next in the business. And being able to do that quickly keeps you ahead of the game versus people who just kept into physical stores, um, you know, had a harder time keeping their business going. From what I understand, letting go of Sajon was an emotional decision for you. What motivated you to sell Sajon to a multinational corporation? Um, well, I think what happened is, and as, as I said, I think that's also at looking what's next and what's going on in the world. So I never really wanted to sell my company. Um, I wanted to keep growing it and, um, you know, see if maybe one day my, ch my children would have wanted to take it over. But what happened is, as I saw the retail world changing, so all these stores started merging. So there used to be, I used to have 80 different buyers of department stores. Um, and then there were specialty stores and all these stores, and they all started merging. So all of a sudden Macy's, which was, you know, an 80 store chain became a thousand store chain and bought up all these other companies. And it was one buyer. And that wasn't just happening in that world. It was happening also in the moderate department store world and in the higher end and in the specialty stores. So all of a sudden there were fewer and fewer customers to sell out there. And they had a lot more leverage on me and my business. And what I saw was that now, instead of being able to go out and find new customers all over the place, um, I was really more at their mercy. And I saw an opportunity that, again, the same way the retailers were merging by having somebody buy me who was a bigger company, now we became more powerful in, the, in their world because not only what I sold them, but what the other divisions of Steve Madden sold them made us a bigger company that was more responsible for more of their volume and made it more secure. So I think seeing how that world changed and saying, okay, the way I was running my business didn't really fit into what I call the future model, um, enabled me to then sell it to Steve Madden in order to keep it growing. And then, you know, depending on what happened, there could be another chapter of doing another business. I think it's very valuable that your mindset is to keep moving forward. I'm curious to know, how did you negotiate the price with Steve Madden? Yes, I mean, most, most of it has to do, especially with a company like mine, which was not what I call a big designer name. It was a brand, not a well-publicized brand, it was based on my earnings. So I made, my company was successful and made money. So we basically came to an agreement based on how much, uh, a multiple of how much the company made per year, and then an earnout period beyond that, that if I increased those earnings, I was able to make even more money because there was an upside and I was still involved with the business. So just going back to your motto, what is next in store for you? Are you in the process of starting another business? I am actually, you know, a friend of mine who I had done some, who I started my first job with a business called Upper Right Marketing, which um, does product, not just accessories, but it does um, t-shirts and handbags and has the rights for Breeders Cup and Maker's Mark. And it's, I don't want to say a similar business to what I did, but um, a, a tangent of the business I did. So I am, I partnered with him and am a partner in that business and we are trying to grow it. So what we do is we have the rights for Maker's Mark 
all product not liquor related. We do all the product for Breeders Cup. We have a brand called Rebecca Ray, um, which does mostly handbags, which we're trying to expand into becoming a uh, a complete, you know, full full line brand. Um, so it's a small business that I have, as opposed to where I was 100% owner of Sejan, I'm a partner of his, and we're working together to grow that. Um, but the operations are based out of Lexington, Kentucky. Um, so what do you think will be the major differences or the problems you might face working with a partner rather than working individually and being the sole decision maker? I think in some ways, in some ways it's nice because you have two people to come up and create ideas and bounce them off each other. Um, not that you mean you had employees who do that, but you have both people who have um, their skin in the game, as I like to say. So uh, that's the positive aspect of it. The negative aspect is if you believe in something and your partner doesn't believe in the same thing, you can have a conflict. Now, Knockwood, we haven't had really had any so far, um, but that's a very strong possibility is that you don't agree on something and then how do you make the final decision of whether you're going to do it or not do it without creating any negative, um, uh, you know, any negative feelings in the company. So just to take us back to you saying that you own 100% of Sejan, a lot of people don't work on commission. They work on, you know, maybe getting a small piece of your equity in order to do their work. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, I think if you have, if it's the right person and you want to give somebody a small piece of equity, I think it's a great way to do it because um, A, as long as you're the majority shareholder, you have the final decision making. Um, but you really want that person to be, make sure that person's all invested in because if they do have a piece of the company, you want to make sure they're still going to, um, you know, not sit back and say, oh my, I'm safe now because I have a piece of this company. You want people who are going to have the same drive you have in order to make the business more successful and keep it growing. So for that aspect, I also liked giving people incentive of, you know, the more business you did or the more profit you made, profit you made for the company, the more money you made. So a sort of commission or a commission based off profitability for employees, because then it gave people incentive to really go out and continue the company growing also because they were able, knew they were going to make more money if they were able to grow the business. Um, so I think it depends on who you're dealing with. I wouldn't want to give just equity off to, out to just any anybody. I would want to make sure it's a person who I felt was uh, integral to the company and I felt had the personality and the dynamic to stay motivated. Because what you don't want to have somebody all of a sudden to feel a security and then therefore, as opposed to working harder, they take a, a breath and a step back. Okay, and trust seems to be like a very integral part of, of doing business um, with your employees, with your customers, uh, with your clients, essentially with everyone. So how did you build that in your company? Like set up a standing right from scratch to have trust and motivation? I think, you know what, I always wanted to, I, here's what I always say, I learned a lot from a previous boss, um, and I learned a lot from a few different bosses, but I learned from one, not just how I, he was very successful in building a company, but I didn't like the way he ran the company because I felt he didn't treat people properly. So what I tried to do is keep my, since it was a wholly owned business, to almost make it like a family. So whoever was involved, I wanted them to feel as they were 
a, a, a part of my family and a part of the business, not just an employee of the business. So it's treating them with respect, including them in decisions, asking, you know, asking opinions, um, asking somebody to come up with ideas. I always said, you know what, there's never a bad question or idea. It may not always come to fruition, but you wanted to encourage people to feel that they had a part in the business and had it could have an impact on the business and not were just not sitting there doing their job with no avenue to expand or to you know move into a different area so i always encouraged everybody to come up with ideas and have meetings together and really try and enhance the feeling of everybody being one team um, and feeling a part of it whether it was you know having meetings in the afternoon and going out for dinners um you know whether it was taking you know having you know lunchtime together um and bouncing things off um you know just really it was really important just to to show people you care about them and that you had their best interests in heart also you it's not just looking out for yourself you're looking out for them and to create um a better life for them also. So I had people who are, you know, work for me basically from the time I almost, you know, started the business um, through the time I sold it and then all through the time I stayed there. So I had people who were with me for, you know, and I started the business with no, and no employees. So it couldn't be the entire time, but I had people who started two years after I started the business who were still with me 20 years later, um, three years after I started the business, five years after I started the business, so I think it's it's really how you develop your relationships and take care of people and care not just about your bottom line, but about how your business is functioning. Thank you for sharing your journey with us. Um, just to kind of close this, if you could go back in time, what advice would you give yourself or anyone else who is currently a college student or starting their cardio? Um, I think it's very important to understand what you want to do. So. As I said, I had a lot of different ideas, but if you can't just take an idea and make it into a business, you have to really understand what that idea is and then figure out how do you implement the idea in a conservative way. I think a lot of people assume you start a business and you can just open up offices and spend millions of dollars in order to start a business, but most people don't have that kind of capital. So I think the important thing is to understand what you want to do and then target how you're going to do it and always you want it, what you want to do is build it slowly when i say that not that you don't want to grow quickly but you want to, you don't want to put yourself in a position where you're so leveraged that if something doesn't happen on the first day you're not going to you can't succeed um, so i think it's really getting a keen insight to what you want to do with the business and then starting it um, and then reacting to as you see what happens as you create and grow that business and basically that's where it's the what's next so what's not just what's next in product but what's what do you do next in the company okay i was able to open this store now how what do i do okay now i have some money coming in i can expand and and bring somebody in to take on this role so that i can now grow the business to the next step so i think it's very important to have a vision of not just i want to start a business but how am i going to grow and keep the business moving once I started. Wow, thank you so much for sharing this with us. Thank you for having me. Have a great day. You too.